Um, have you ever been in a situation that seemed extremely helpless? Any, any, any examples? Any examples? Anyone willing to give an example of a situation that you're like, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how uh, I'm going to get over this. Example, Sean? When you, was fighting, <laughs> when you were fighting Luke, that seemed like a, a hopeless uh, situation. Wow. So, I don't, I don't know. I, could I be like a, a, a Lukite? One of those Gerbusites? Lukite? You had a, um, all right. Anyone else? Anyone else had a, that you not that you're willing to share? Uh, Peyton? One time you fell and you couldn't breathe. Wow. What, ha- what happened? I fell on my back. Ah, true. Yeah, that. Wow, wow. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's scary, all right? Because that's like life-threatening. Um, I had an experience, and it wasn't quite, you know, life-threatening. I had an experience when I first got my license. I first got my driver's license. And, and of course, I was like completely, totally... Uh, stoked. I was, you know, I was just excited. You know, I got my license. And, and particularly, like, this was the second time around, because the first test I went, the guy just wanted to fill me. I knew it, you know? I mean, he just, you know, I stepped into the car, and I could just see he's going to fill me, you know? I just need a mess of once, and I did. And, and he was like, hey, you remember that one time? And I said, yeah. He said, okay, well, you know, I got to come back again. So anyway, so, so I went a second time, and praise the Lord, it wasn't with him. And so, uh, so I passed. And so I was excited. So, so I wanted to celebrate, you know. And so I had a good friend. And we were like, hey, man, you know, let's go, go see a movie or something like that. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know. So just got my license two days afterwards, you know, driving. And, and at this time, I still live with my parents who, who uh, you know, have a house in, in Fawfling Castle. And my friend lived out here in Camichael. Right? And so, and I've never been here in Kamaiko, right? And so, this is, this is in, you know, 90, boy, where I go? 90, 90, 90, 90, 98? I think 98. So, this is 90. Jesus, much toast. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm not that old. Come on, guys. Anyway, so it's in 98. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of development as it is right now, all right? So, anyway. So he gave me the directions, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, got this. I guess I made a wrong turn, right? Because it said, you know, turn on this dirt road and follow it, right? So I saw a dirt ro- road, and I turned, and I followed it, right? But the dirt road just ended up to, like, bush, and there's just, like, trees. There's no houses. I'm telling you, I mean, I can't, to this day, I can't even remember where that spot was, right? So, and so of course, I'm driving my father's car, and... And, and I got to a point where I'm like, you know what, there's no more road, so I got to turn around. And, um, and there's no houses. And so, but apparently, I went too far, and I started to reverse, and then I clipped the side mirror. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Right? And so now I'm freaked out, I'm freaked out because I clipped the side mirror, and, and then I, want, I, I wanted to reverse even further, and then the car wouldn't go anywhere. Right? So it's like stuck, and then I went to shift to go into drive, um, but it got so it was stuck between uh, 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 reverse and, and, and drive. Like it would only go into neutral, you know, and it wouldn't move. And so I was like, what? So I'm freaking out, right? Because again, trees, 
no houses, you know, nobody, you know. And so I get out of the car and I look, and lo and behold, the transmission is, is resting on an old tire rim, right? And so then I go to reach to see if I could, like, pull, right? And then I burn my hand, of course, on the transmission thing, the axle, you know. And so I was like, and so all this time, I'm panicking, right? And I'm not even thinking, hey, there's a car, Jack. Jack the car, you know. But I'm, like, you know, freaking out. And, and I just felt hopeless. So I was like, Lord, you know, I, I mean, help me, because I don't know, you know. I don't know what to do. And believe me, and this is where... I had to learn to patience because that's, that's, that's something that I, I, I struggle with. So even with the answer prayer, I still struggle with patience because this kid came out of nowhere. Right? I was praying like this kid came out of nowhere about like 10, 15 feet from me. Right? And I'm like, hey, do you know anyone that lives around here? And he's just staring at me. Right? And then I started to get frustrated because I'm like, like, I'm stuck, you know, like, could you, like, help me out? And I'm like, hey, you know, any, you know, it's like, what's your name? And he's just, like, staring at me, and, and I'm like, what is wrong with this kid, right? And he just goes off somewhere, right? And then, and then this guy comes out of, no, out of nowhere, right? And I was like, hey, I'm stuck. And he said, hey, well, you know, do you have a jack, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know? So I popped the trunk in and, uh, and, you know, jacked the car up, and he pulled the wheel out, and, and I said, how did I get out of here? And he pointed to me, and then, and then he left, and, and I got out, you know? And I was like, wow, you know, God really showed up uh, in that way. And so that, that experience always uh, uh, stuck with me. And, and so that was a real-life, for me, experience of God's deliverance uh, that time. And so we're going to read about some of these things that Joshua is uh, uh, recounting to uh, the people that have gathered um, here. And so in verses 8 through 13, starting with verse 8, says, Then I brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land when I destroyed them before you. And simply here, you know, God led the people of Israel to the Amorites, right? Um, and as the people waged war against them, God delivered the Amorites into their hands. All right? And, and I may see them like, okay, yeah, you know, that's an easy thing. But it, it was an act of God because otherwise they could have been overthrown by the Amorites. But it was a clear act of God that uh, he gave them into their hands. Um, and then you see in verse 9 and, uh, and verse 10, it says, Then Balak, the son of Zippor, King of Moab arose and fought against Israel, and he sent and summoned Balaam, the son of Beor, I think it's Beor, I may be pronouncing that incorrectly, to curse you. But I was not willing to listen to Balaam, so he had to bless you and delivered you from his hand. Now I wish I could read the story, but it's long, it's like three chapters. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I hate to say this, I don't want to bore you um, with my radio voice, but... Um, but if you have time, it's Numbers chapters 22 through 24. And it's really cool. And what's cool about it, really, is like Balaam is riding this donkey, okay? I'll just abbreviate this part. And the donkey just suddenly stops in the middle of the street. And Balaam falls off, right? And, and he gets frustrated, like I would, okay? And then he struck the donkey, right? Three times. And the donkey is like, like, 
why, why, why did you, why did you strike me, right? And Balaam is so infuriated, like he starts to talk right back to the donkey like it's nothing, you know? And he's like, well, you stop and you made me look like a fool, you know? And, and, and the donkey's like, well, you've, I've been with you all, all your life and you've never struck me three times, you know? And so, and he's having this conversation and eventually, um, you know, the angel appears and tells Balaam that I was the one that stood in the road and the donkey saw me and, and if it was not for the donkey stomping and stuff like that, I would kill you and, and all this stuff. But he sends him away. And, uh, but it's, it's an interesting story. Um, so if you have time to read it, if you want, Numbers 22 through 24. Um, story of Balaam and the fact that God, uh, although the king had Balaam to curse Israel, God made it so that he would bless Israel. And that really demonstrated the sovereignty of God over all things. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Ephesians, when we were in Ephesians. uh, We didn't finish Ephesians. uh, But in Ephesians um, 1... um, 22 says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him, Christ, as head over all things to the church. And that's basically saying that, you know, like God is working out all things in the universe for the benefit of the church. And the church is those who have placed faith and trust in him, you know? So you think about that. Because sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, you know what? I have so much issues going on and so-and-so is not talking to me, or I didn't get this gift that I want, you know, and, and then we miss how God's deliverance uh, has been so impactful in our lives. Um, uh, but it's there. And if we realize that, man, he's working all things in all of the universe for the benefit of us, um, I mean, that is incredible. And verse 11 says, You crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, and here comes all the ites. And the citizens of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorite and the, I mean, I was saying this before, the Paris, the Parasite, Parasite, okay, uh, and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Gershite and the Hivite and the Jebusite and the Behemonite. Um, thus I gave them into your hand. No, the Behemonite is not there, okay, just in case you guys were, you know, like, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. All right. So God reminded the people about all of his deliverance that he provided them against all odds. And it was not by their power or their ingenuity, okay? It wasn't by their smarts, their smarts or their skill. It was all by and through God alone. Um, verse 12, verse 12. Then I sent the hornet before you, and it drove you out. Sorry, it drove out the two kings of the Amorites from before you, but not again by your sword or your bow, right? Now, there are several interpretations about what is this hornet, right? And no one really knows, right? Some ask the question, is it like the hornet inset itself? Uh, Some interpretations ask, okay, can it be symbolic for a certain ruler uh, that God had used? Or some interpretations ask the question that is it in fact just the terror of Israel's God, you know, Yahweh. Uh, but no one really have an exact interpretation of what this hornet is referring to um, here in verse 12. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the point is, God fought for Israel. 
uh, and he continues to fight for his people today. Uh, and if you are a believer, that includes you, all right? God is fighting for you today, um, uh, and not just today, but continuously. Because um, you may have some personal wars of your own, and it may not be like bow and arrow and machine guns and, and you know, and anything like that. It may be just some... Problems with your parents at school, you know, you know, there may be a certain student person that, you know, for whatever reason, they don't like you uh, or for whatever reason, you have a difficulty accepting them. Uh, It may be friction at home, whether it's with your parents or your sibling or some other family member. Um, It may be just certain anxieties you have, um, you know, that you're battling with throughout your life. But God is more than able to carry you through them all. Um, and so, and, and, as we, and as we look at these six verses, I want us to resolve to a point that we can uh, make a commitment to accept them, to trust them, to, you know, to be obedient uh, to his instructions. Because uh, he is our deliverer. He's the one who um, is faithful uh, towards us. And verse 13, it says, I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities you had not um, built, and you have lived in them. You are eating of vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. So they had it great. I mean, they, they had the land. I mean, they were, you know, vineyards, olive groves, you know, so. And they didn't labor for them. It was just, you know, just... God's blessings, God's deliverance uh, uh, with them against the nations who they fought against and made them victorious. And these are the spoils in which they are enjoying. Um, The Israels were blessed, and we are too as well today. Um, Because I just want to say, you know, the Israelites were recipients of God's provision. And believers today are the same. Whether it's healing, whether it's financial aid, um, whether it's divine protection, you know, we experienced that today, and I don't know, and that's why I love the mission conference. And if you guys, uh, particularly those who, who go to uh, Calvary, you know, it's, it's, when is it? It's March, right? Second week, right? First week in March. I mean, I, I would encourage you to come out because you hear such testimonies of how missionaries, you know, they needed so much money by the end of the month or by the end of this time period. Didn't have it. Last minute, like how we like to say 11 hour, boom, money comes in. You know, or some, some of the missionaries who may be in a very hostile environment where, the God, where Christianity is not accepted and there's a raid that's about to happen and people come and they may be right behind this countertop and guys are here with guns and for whatever reason, they don't look behind a countertop and they're right there kneeling, praying. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, when I say crazy, it's so amazing how God delivers his people. And so, so that's just a plug there for the missions conference. It's just great to hear uh, those incredible um, testimonies um, still today. Um, the believer has, an incredible, has incredible riches in Christ, and many of them are spiritually based. And again, I'm going to go back to 
um, Ephesians, real quick, Ephesians 1.3. And those who are here, when we went through Ephesians, you, um, you probably got tired of this, but Ephesians 3 says, Blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, as Christians, believers in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So believers have spiritual blessings, and as we see in verse 13, there are even physical blessings that we have as well, right? Now, the unfortunate thing is sometimes we can become prideful in that, you know? It's like, hey, you know, I'm blessed, you know, uh, too blessed to be stressed, whatever, you know, and, you know, God is good, and, and we think it's like it's all about us and what we've done, and, you know, I'm God's favorite child, and, and, and God doesn't want that. God doesn't want a prideful response. He wants a more a response of humility, a response of dependence upon him. And that's why he constantly asks, you know, when we read stories in the Old Testament, remember, remember, remember. You know, they set up altars and stuff like that. They helped him to remember because too many times we forget his deliverance. Too many times we forget what he has done for us. And so my question to you today, as we break up into small groups, is, you know, how do you respond to God's goodness? Um, you know, and how, how have you responded um, to it? And, and let's not take it for granted, uh, his deliverance uh, in our lives.